Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Today's topic is, it's a business focus, resolving payroll tax issues and also tips for the end of the year from a tax perspective. Jenny Wingle, good to see you, our tax manager at Thav Gross. Hi, Ken. Good to be here today. Going to have a lot of questions for you today on payroll taxes. You ready for it? I'm ready. Brian Small. Always a pleasure, Ken. Always a pleasure. It is nice to see you again. Nice to see you. And Jeffrey Kirshner, back with us after a little siesta. Good to see you, Jeffrey. Thank you. I found the breadcrumbs and found my way back. How's everything in the workers' comp uh, social security disability world? It's uh, It's been rough, to be honest with you. The laws have been changing a little bit, and uh, the government has been a little bit rough, but uh, we're trudging away. So when you say rough from the standpoint of they're denying more claims or they're making it more difficult to process claims, or where's the, where's it rough? The answer is yes. They are um, seems to be they're denying more claims with regard to Social Security. It seems to be uh, that with this uh, administration that they've become much more conservative. There's been a record number of people that have applied for benefits, so I guess it's an expected um, result of that. But, yes, they're making it more difficult to get benefits. The judges, and certainly the new judges that have been appointed, uh, have been, one, more conservative, and, number two, a little bit more sticklers when it comes to hearings and what needs to be presented in the manner in which it's presented. So, so, so in that situation, I, I, we've we've talked about it before on the show. It's I think it's always important that someone should have an attorney helping them pursue a social security disability claim. Would you say it's even more necessary now, or has it always just been necessary right from the heart? Well, I, I mean, you're asking an attorney. Ask, ask a barber if you need a haircut. Barber's going to say, of course you need a haircut. Yes, I think that you've always needed an attorney, but especially now. Well, be, if you were a barber I was going to say, I would Brian think that it would be a hard press to get a barber to say, I need a haircut. Well, no, but you always need a shave, Bri. This so there you true. go. Um, you can always find something. No, but forgetting so, that, no, but take that factor out. No, I no, mean, no. Just I, from a practicality standpoint of success on the claim. Yes, it's become much more complicated. There are more rules that have come into place now in terms of uh, evidence that comes in, in terms of timeliness as to when you have to introduce your evidence. All kinds of factors uh, are making it more complicated, so I, yes. I think uh, is the is the general rule that you've got to understand that it's no, you're no longer capable of doing it yourself. You really do need to have an attorney to help you apply for Social Security Disability. I think you're foolish not to. Can you still do it and be successful? Yes, but it's becoming increasingly more difficult not to have an attorney with you. It's become um, The laws have become more complicated. Even just procedurally, it's become much more difficult. Do, does, it, does it cost me anything to apply if I hire an attorney? No, it costs you nothing to hire an attorney. And if, if we're successful helping you out, my fee is just based on any has to benefits owed to you and it's paid directly from the government. You don't pay anything out of your own pocket. So, you know, it's 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 a no risk situation here. And I think you're at least foolish now not to have an attorney. I think it's it's it's, it's almost mandatory these I mean, days. You're to going have an up against a, a bureaucracy. You need someone who can manage it and knows the knows the process to try and do it yourself. First of all, they want to deny your claim. That's what people need to realize. They want to deny your claim not out of animus. They want to deny your claim out of well, out of fiscal. Like they want the money. Yeah, they want I, to, I, they I, want to they don't want to part with the money. We know that the government's going to be short on money. Uh, it, it's been short on money. It's even more short. The deficit went up 17% the last quarter. So there's going to be a greater pinching of the dollar as we go forward 
as a result of the new tax cut. Well, Social Security disability is just like any other insurance company. The first words out of their mouth are no, and you got to fight. Well, and, and then it's interesting because there's talk about with Medicaid with regard to these new requirements other states are, are passing or implementing in terms of requirements of having to look for work, and it's it's very difficult to see who it applies to, but it's certainly affecting people. Well, if you are losing your Medicaid coverage, even though you may not be able to look for work, then you can't get medical treatment. If you can't get medical treatment, these cases... Uh, depend significantly on opinions of medical experts, you're going to have difficulty then getting your benefits. And again, the government wins because less cases now that they have to pay. She's saying people that are on Medicaid are going to be required to demonstrate that they're making efforts to seek work. Otherwise, they'll lose their Medicaid. If they lose their Medicaid, they won't be able to see the doctor that you need to provide the documentation to support the disability claim. It's a vicious cycle, but absolutely. And there's those people that just, even if under the laws, they, they should be or have to look for work that they just can't for a lot of different reasons, including their their inability due to their disability, but yet they can't prove their disability because they don't have the coverage to go see a doctor and get the proofs. Now, are they given notice prior to the Medicaid being removed? Are there procedures in place for them to contest that? There, there are some procedures in place right now. It's still a fairly new thing, and it's an evolving thing right now, but uh, it, it's, it's getting very complicated. So that would be their client. That would be your, your social security. Security disability applicant who's on Medicaid. Correct. If you have someone who's got insurance on their own, or they have um, Medicare coverage, well, you only would Medicare wouldn't apply because then they'd be getting rid of Social Security. Right. Exactly. So, are most of your clients that are applying for Social Security disability on Medicaid? Yes, because if you think about it, to get the, Social they, Security, they've lost their job. Right. They lost their job, or they haven't had a job because for whatever reason, and you have to be disabled for 12 months so if or you're longer. Dis- so, in, and I realize this is an evolving process. Now I'm seeing the whole problem. If you're disabled and you're not able to work, is that an exception to the Medicaid requirement that you have to demonstrate you're making efforts to find work in order to get Medicaid? Yes. So now you have two. You you have you you have the case before the case. You now have to make your case in front of Medicaid to say, "Hey, I'm disabled. I can't work. Therefore, I need the Medicaid." Then after you get through that hurdle, then you get the Medicaid so you can see the doctors so you can apply for Social Security disability because you can't work. Right, and completely completely two different standards. It is Just a mess. In case you you prove to Medicaid that you you can't be looking for work and okay, they'll give you Medicaid, still a completely different standard in Social Security. So are attorneys helping people with the Medicaid problem? Well, starting to because it it, it affects everything. Right, Right, but this is kind of newer regulations that have come into play. It's a whole new world coming out here. Interesting. Clear as mud, right? We'll we'll have to do a follow-up show just on that issue because that, that, yeah, it's a cart before the horse kind of a problem, but you're going to have to solve that problem first before you can get to the horse. Right. So a lot tough. of people are in, are, in, are in danger of not being able to get benefits or continue to get benefits. Okay. So let's start. Enough disability. Now I want to I want to focus on year end. It's 2019 is coming. Jenny, we have a new tax law in effect, which has changed the mix. There used to be a lot of tax tips to give to people at the end of the year. Do your charitable deduction, do this, do that. But they eliminate. Now the standard deduction takes away most people from doing a charitable deduction. So what tax tips are there for people at the end of the year? Unfortunately, not many. The the, the number one thing that you can do if you're looking um, to lower your taxable income is make a contribution to your IRA. If you're under 50, you can do 5,500. If you're above 50, you can do 6,500. 
Um, but with respect to as an individual, uh, there's really not much you can do to lower lower the, the tax burden. As a business, there's a few things that you can still do, which is, you know, pay all of your expenses in December. Don't drag them out until January, yeah, so February. If, so if you're a business and you're a cash basis taxpayer, Correct. which means your income is based upon the cash you receive by the end of the year and your deductions are based upon the, uh, the expenses that you've paid, as opposed to an accrual basis taxpayer who pays taxes based upon the earning of the income and the incurring of the expense, not the payment date. Small businesses tend to be cash businesses. So what do you do? You accelerate your expenses? Well, it, it, you Pay can. January's rent December 25th? <laughs> you can, but I find a lot of my clients are, are running behind on a lot of their bills. So I say if you can catch up, December is, is probably a good time that you should so that you get the benefit of those deductions. Okay. Well, and when you say a lot of your clients, because you're specializing with clients that have tax problems. So in that situation, they're probably running cash short. Correct. But let's say you're a regular business and you're functioning and you're looking at how to trim your tax bill a little bit. That is a valid way of doing it. You take, you accelerate your expenses. You pay January and February's expenses if you can in December. Sometimes you'll use a bank credit line to do that because you may not have the cash, but if you take a bank credit line, that gives you the access to the money to pay the expense in December and get the deduction. And then if you're sending out your bills, if you bill monthly to clients, if you can afford it cash flow wise, rather than sending out the bills December 1st to be paid by December 31st, you send them out December 15th or December 20th, right. and then they end up coming in in January. So you reduce your income, you increase your expense. That's one of the classic but ways of cutting really your tax. It's not really getting us anywhere because what ends up happening is year after year, people use you that strategy. It, you just have to do so it the next year really as well. So then you really just changed your 12 years. You shifted to the next year, right. <laughs> right, but you're, you're never actually, you're only really getting ahead that kind of first year. Well, the, the benefit of doing it, had you've done that last year, and then you were doing it this year. Now the corporate tax rate has gone down to 21%. Right. So there is so there, so if, if you have a future year where the tax rate is less, doing that pushing it pushing the income into the in the greater tax burden into a future year has a benefit. It reverses itself if the future year comes up and being and there's a tax increase, which my I'm betting I'm not going to say when, but in the next 15 years you're going to see an increase in the corporate tax rate. That's a pretty uh, safe would, bet. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. All right, so that's those are tips for for 2019 on the IRA issue. Okay, you always run into the question of should I make a Roth IRA or a regular IRA? And let me just walk through quickly the difference between the two. In a Roth IRA, you pay the tax on the money now. You don't get a. It doesn't reduce your tax liability. But the benefit is, is it accumulates tax-free, and when you withdraw the money after you're at 59 and a half, you pay no tax. In a regular IRA, whatever amount you, do, you contribute, let's suppose it's $5,500, that's a reduction in your taxable income that you pay this year. So you save, if you're in a 30% tax bracket, you're going to save $1,700 in tax today by making that $5,500 contribution. Then it accumulates and it earns its income. You don't pay any tax as it accumulates, but when you withdraw the sum, let's say that $5,500 
triples in value over 20 years, and it's now $20,000. When you take that, it's almost quadrupling. When it's when you take that 20000 out, it's ordinary income and you pay the tax. See, right now, by That's contributing to your Roth IRA, with tax brackets being as low as they are and an understanding that in reality, at some point, they're going to have to go up. Somewhere, we're all going to pay the bill. That we're, well, that some we're, brackets are going to go up. Right. So if if the brackets are going to go up, if you pay your taxes now on the lower brackets, then when you're retired, that money means that's in your retirement means more to you then than it does now. And in I, other I words, $200,000 saved up in your IRA that you don't have to pay taxes on when you're retired is a whole lot better than $200,000 that you have to pay 25% in taxes on. I want to double down on your point because I agree with it. It's true if you're saying if the tax bracket's going up, that's for sure the benefit because you're then taking the money out tax-free and you pay the tax at the lower bracket. But beyond that, if you're putting $5,500 away a year and you're doing that for 30 years, maybe you and husband and wife are doing that because they each have their own jobs, paying that tax burden, even if the brackets stayed the same, year to year is not that big of a bite. Fifteen hundred bucks. You you lose the benefit of the fifteen hundred dollars in savings. But when you get to retirement and that money has now grown to two hundred two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, if you can take that money out and not pay any tax on it, then when you're at retirement, that's extremely meaningful. Because if you have to, if it's two hundred fifty thousand and you have to pay tax on it as you're using it, that two hundred fifty thousand is really only. 170, 175,000 to you, and you need that money in retirement. So my position on it is if you can take advantage of the Roth, you should. There are income restraints on it, Jenny, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you're single, you can't have an adjusted gross income um, limit. It's above 135,000. If you're married, filing joint, it's 189 to 199,000. It phases out between those right. those periods. Right. So you have to you have to do the math and look at the formula to see how much you can can put in. Um, but definitely we're thinking about it, especially now that pensions seem to be a thing of the past. Um, I, it's not something I always heard advised, you know, 30 years ago. Um, but now I, I think it's definitely a great tool if you don't have a pension to look at how you can make your money grow and then take it out tax-free later. Yeah, and, and, the, and, and the, the last one I want to throw out on the IRA is I want to par this back to what we've talked about as, as our three-point retirement plan. Own your home free and clear, owe no debt, and have some savings in the bank. The IRA is the starting point of accomplishing that task, particularly for those of you that are listening that really have not taken the steps to start planning for retirement and are not saving money, start with the IRA. Your deadline for contribution is not until April 15th, 2019. So you you, you can make your contribution to your IRA for 2018 right up to the tax filing deadline. So you've got time to put that money away. You should try and get to the limit if you can, 5,500. Uh, is great, 6500 if you're over 50. But if you can't get to the limit and you only can put away four, put away four. Four put away today doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But if you put four away for 10 years straight, that's $40,000 plus earnings on it. It's probably more like $60,000. That becomes meaningful. If you put 5500 away or you and your wife did the same thing and put six put 5500 away in 20 years it's a quarter of a million dollars. That's, a lot of That's money. the savings that you need. 
if you if you get to retirement, you got a quarter of a million dollars in the bank, you have no debt, and you own your house free and clear, you're guaranteed to have a retirement in com- without stress. You're not going to have to worry about whether you're going to be able to have food on the table and, and manage things. Your Social Security will cover your living expenses, your taxes and your insurance on your home, and your IRA will be back there. That savings account will be there for you to cover additional expenditures as you need them. It's not that complicated. You don't need... Yeah, great. If you can have $5 million in the bank at retirement, more power to you. That's the ideal thing. But that's not attainable for most Americans. That's the reality. The show is law and reality. What we're focusing on is what the average normal person needs to think about and accomplish. All right, now let's talk about what we, what we were supposed to talk about today, which was payroll taxes. Jenny, what are payroll taxes? So payroll taxes, if, if you own a business and you have employees that you're paying W-2 wages, you have the Social Security, the Medicare, uh, the federal withholding, and then usually uh, state withholding. So when we're talking about payroll taxes, we're talking about on Friday, when you, when you pay your employees, usually your tax deposit is due the following Wednesday. So oftentimes what we're seeing happen is when businesses are getting behind, they're stopping those payroll tax deposits. Your cash flow is tight. Let's take, let me take the real simple example, the, the, the restaurant. The restaurant has to pay all of its help every week, and it's got a lot of, a lot of employees. It has to pay its utilities on time or they're shut off. If it's running tight on cash, its food vendors put them on COD, so you've got to pay for your food when you pick it up. And if you don't have food, you don't have, you don't have a restaurant. And your landlord, if you're five days late, is going to evict you. So all of a sudden, if business is slow or you're not running it effectively because food's escaping out the back door or all the other problems that go on in the restaurant business, and you're short on cash... What happens to the owner a lot of times is when it comes time to make that payroll tax deposit, he doesn't have the cash. And he says, you know what, I'll make it, I'll catch up on it next week. And he skips one, and then he skips two, and then he skips three. Now he's missed the whole first quarter. Yeah, I'm just in my slow season right now. and, and the It'll all pick up in the summer. Up when I, as soon as I, and I'll write the check, and I'll catch it all up, and it'll be just fine. That's where the payroll tax problem comes from. It's not Nobody gets into business and says... I'm starting this business out. I'm going to run it. I'm going to make a lot of money, but I'm not going to pay my payroll taxes. There's not one business owner that has that philosophy. It only happens because the business is suffering from not making enough money. And then he's robbing Peter to pay Paul from the standpoint is he's taking the money for the payroll taxes to cover his food vendors and his other expenses. And it happens because the the business in the person in business doesn't have the foresight to actually go sit down with a, a professional, be it an accountant or a lawyer who does who deals with the, the businesses that are struggling because they don't see their businesses struggling at that point. And so they make the mistake and then they make another mistake and they another make another mistake until it's 
almost too late or is it too late Jenny? right well what happens is it becomes the black hole you forget about it and you also market off your books as an expense that you have and it looks like you're making money the one thing i tell business owners is it's it's okay it happens to most small businesses at some point but you also have to remember that you're going to be held personally responsible meaning they're going to go after your personal assets and it's non-dischargeable in bankruptcy correct so what they look at is when you pay your employees they're getting their paycheck but they've decided how much federal withholding uh, state withholding, um, Social Security and Medicare, which is, is set at the 7.5%, and you match, the only portion you're not assessed personally is your matching portion. Uh, the rest, And that's if you're a corporation or an LLC. If you're in a sole proprietor, you're assessed for all of it. Do, do I have to be worried if I'm the employee that, 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 that my employer no. didn't pay the withholding taxes to the government? No, you're, the, the government still treats it as though it's been paid from the standpoint of the employee. Yeah, the only issue comes up when the um, employer isn't actually issuing the W-2s, but uh, that, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that, that, that becomes a problem. If, your employee doesn't, if, you, if you're an employee and you don't get a W-2, you need to take action on that. Right, and I the employee don't want to... some says, "Well, I don't get a W two, then they're not, then I don't have to pay the income tax on it." But it's already been withheld from your check. You know, don't first of all, don't panic on that because if you don't get a W two, don't just assume that it's because your employer isn't doing what they're supposed to. Sometimes it just gets missed. You you call your HR department, your office manager, whatever they're be, and you might find it. Um, but it is something to be concerned about. All right, so the payroll tax problem comes. So now I said it's not dischargeable. In bankruptcy, Brian, but income taxes we've talked about on the show are dischargeable, right? Income taxes are dischargeable. They, as long as your tax came due at least three years ago, you filed your taxes for at least two years, and you haven't been assessed in the last eight months, so, so, an income tax is dischargeable. So income is, but payroll taxes are not. So what it comes down to is when that problem comes up, Jenny, there's other solutions for the owner who ends up with this assessment on the trust fund taxes that's non-dischargeable in bankruptcy, you can you can help him, right? Oh, absolutely. What we would do is if the business is going to stay operating, we would look at whether the business qualifies for an offer and compromise, which is settling for less than the total amount due, whether the individual also qualifies, or whether it's installment agreements for both, or maybe a combination. All right. Let me give you a real short version case study that I want you to walk us through and help us solve, but in the, in, we, we got about six minutes left and we also have to do announcements. But here it is, Pete has Pete's tool and die. He's got 35 employees, he's behind $100,000 in payroll taxes. He fell behind because business was slow. 2019, it so happens he's gotten a couple purchase orders from, some, from the big three or for some tier one suppliers, and it's going to be his first good year in five years for Pete. So he sees that he's going to be able to make money in the future. How does he deal with the $100,000 that he owes in the payroll taxes right now? Right. So he's going to be assigned to a local revenue officer. The first thing I'm going to tell him is to make his next federal tax deposit. Don't pay it on the back. That's the biggest mistake. And make sure you filed all your returns. Wait, wait, wait. So, so, so you're saying... Make your current deposits and pay those. Don't pay the second quarter that you're behind right now. Right. The IRS will take your money. They'd love to do so. But what they're not going to tell you is then you do not qualify for any collection alternative. And the next is seizuring your business. Uh, okay. So so real important for Pete. He needs to know 
Don't take the money and catch up on the back. Start staying compliant, and then you go to Jenny and you put him into a collection alternative, some kind of a payment plan? Correct. So the first thing we'd probably do is an installment agreement, get the revenue officer to close out the file. Then we would look to whether they would qualify for any offer and compromise. Okay. So you, for the business, you get them on a payment plan, right? Most and then likely. you look maybe to get an offer and compromise if, if you can make that happen. It depends on how much the liability is and what the assets of the business are, right? Correct. Okay. Let's do announcements and then we're going to come back and I want to focus at the end on what about Pete's assessment against him for those trust fund taxes. I want to remind our listeners, watch the TV version of Law and Reality every Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. on TV 20. Also... Be sure and go to our website and sign up for the monthly contest. Every month we give away a free $50 Visa gift card, a Law & Reality hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. You just go to the homepage on Law & Reality, pop in your email address where it says contest, and you're entered. We have two seminars coming up. On Wednesday, December 12th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., give a smart present to your family this holiday. Give them an estate plan. This is the estate plan under the tree present. It sounds so heartwarming. The kids will be jumping for joy. Everyone will be happy and thrilled. It is a smart present to the entire family. It creates security for the future. You need those powers of attorney in place. You need a living trust. You need a pour over will. The seminar is going to go through the steps to, to accomplish that, how it works, how probate works, and how to avoid probate. That's the whole purpose of doing a competent estate plan. Brian, uh, myself, and Jeff Linden will be presenting. Attendees get a $300 gold certificate off the cost of an estate plan. Then on Wednesday, January 9th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., we have a debt relief seminar coming up. It's time to eliminate the debt. We're going to go through all the steps that we, use, we employ to eliminate debt. Debt resolution is our program to eliminate credit card and medical debt Outside of bankruptcy, we're going to talk about when that works. We're also going to talk about Chapter 7 and Chapter 13 solutions. The key is finding the smartest solution to get rid of the debt the fastest, most economical way. Attendees get a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Jenny Lingle's going to be there doing a special segment on tax problems. Sign up for both seminars. Go to lawnreality.com, thavgross.com, or call 888-235-HELP. Remember also, you can always come in for a free consultation. You have a workers' comp social security issue. Jeff Kirshner is available. You have a debt financial problem, budgeting, or estate planning issue. Brian's available. Jenny's, issue, Jenny's available for any tax problems. I'm available for business issues. Pat Samasco is available for elder law issues. Corey Silverstein's available for criminal issues. All of those things are available to you. Just go to the website, request a free consult, or you can do it the old-fashioned way and just call our offices at 888-235-HELP. Be sure and also go to the website and take advantage of our free reports. The newest report up there is Resolving Tax Problems, The Real Solutions, written by Jenny Wingle and myself. It's a great report detailing all the solutions that we employ with regard to tax problems. If, you want, if your house is looking at foreclosure, there's a good report, How to Save Your Home from Foreclosure. Another report, Business Formations, Loans and Grants for Small Businesses in Detroit, and Retiree's Guide to Social Security from Pat Samasco. All right, Jenny, we got a couple minutes left. So Pete's been assessed this $100,000 liability. What do you do for Pete to get him out from that liability? Well, what Pete needs to realize that a lot of people don't is that just because the business sets up an installment agreement doesn't mean the IRS is going to go to collect against Pete. Now, 
Pete is, you know, very profitable and the business is going to pay it off in short, we would likely just set up an installment agreement for Pete. However, if it's looking at it's going to be a long-term payment plan or that the business is going to qualify for an offer, then we would definitely look to filing an offer and compromise for Pete. Well, let me give you quick facts for Pete. Pete owns a house, but he's put he took a second mortgage on the house and put all that cash into the company. He's depleted all of his savings. He has $100,000 of credit card debt because he's put that money into the company. He's driving a old car. He has no cash, no savings, no real assets. Is he a good qual- is he a good candidate for a for an offer and compromise? Absolutely. Things don't even need to look that dire to qualify for an offer and compromise, but as you described, he would probably qualify for a $100 offer. Now, let me change the facts. Same exact facts, but Pete has $300,000 in his 401k. Does he qualify? No, assuming he can take the money out of the 401k or borrow against it, that there's no provisions that prevent him from doing so, the IRS can reach those funds as well. Quick point for everyone out there. You'll you'll hear tax advice people and commercials saying everyone qualifies for the new program. The answer is everyone doesn't qualify. People qualify if they meet the criteria, which Jenny determines quickly when you sit down and you meet with them. It is the wrong advice to apply for an offer and compromise if it's not going to work. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of time, and it doesn't accomplish anything. A lot of these tax national firms want to get get you on the phone. The person that you're talking to wants your credit card number and $7,500, and he wants to promise you the world. It shouldn't cost that much, number one. And number two, you should only do it if it's the right thing. Have a great week. We'll be back next week with One Reality. Thanks for tuning in.